Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. From the American Standard Version, you'll see just a few words different from the King James that perhaps you have. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth, and with whole heart, and have done what is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say unto Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, The Lord of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and behold, I will add fifteen years to your life. Let us pause for just a moment of prayer. Our Father, we have been so greatly blessed by what we have heard in song this evening. We pray now, our Father, that as we look into your word, that our hearts would be receptive. And particularly anyone here this evening who does not know the same Lord and same Savior that was proclaimed in song, may their hearts be strangely stirred and filled with the power of thy Spirit they might come to be a part of this great body called the church. We love you. We wait now for the outpouring of your spirit upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hezekiah has just escaped the, up to that time, the most severe test of his life in the early portions of Isaiah, particularly 36 and 37 when the Assyrian army came and uh, encircled Jerusalem. And Hezekiah called upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord heard his prayer and responded, and 185,000 Assyrians became dead men, and, and the general went home. Hezekiah has just now sighed a sigh of relief, when suddenly... The word of the Lord comes to him again, and this time says to him in a personal way, where he had been talking to him as a leader of the Jewish people before, Hezekiah, set your house in order, for you will die and not live. Now we have become acquainted with death. Just last night and tonight we have heard of deaths in this community. We know that they will happen, but they always happen to somebody else, it seems. But the Lord said to Adam and Eve from the very, very beginning of the creation, You may eat of all the fruit that's in the garden except for one tree. Of that tree you shall not eat, and the day that you eat of it, you shall die. And Eve was beguiled by the devil himself and ate of the fruit and gave to her husband and he ate. And God's word came true. Death was brought to mankind by the one act of disobedience 
when God has said, if you eat of it, you shall die. Romans 5.16 tells us, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. All have sinned. Are you prepared for that time in your life when you will die? Do you have a will made? Some of you will say, yes, I have a will made and my family is taken care of. Do you have your funeral arrangements made? Some of you will have. I knew of a fellow who bought his casket and put it in his living room and it became an ornament in the middle of his living and quite a conversation piece. He was prepared for his death. But are you prepared for death? Are you? If the words that were spoken to Hezekiah were spoken to you, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Are you prepared for such an announcement? And we know that tonight, somewhere, is somebody's last night on earth. And I have made this statement in more than one revival meeting over the years. And it always shocks me to say it. Because almost certainly, before the revival is over, I would have spoken that to somebody in the congregation before me. And it became true. Tonight is somebody's last night upon earth. The rich man built his barns. And he had them full of all of his product. And he said to himself, soul, take thine ease, eat. Drink and be merry, for you have much goods laid up for years to come. He had made preparation for his retirement. He had made preparation for his family, but he had forgotten to make preparation for his soul. And the Lord said, Thou fool, tonight, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. I want you to notice, however, that the word spoken to Hezekiah was not for him to get his soul in order, but it was for him to get his house in order. And it is to this point that I want to speak early on in the, in the message this evening, and I'm going to come back to the, the personal affairs of it late in the, in the sermon. I want to know, particularly men, I believe you're the head of your house. Is your house spiritually prepared for your death? Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ and are following Him at your direction? At your bidding? At your teaching? Does your family go to church because you have said, like the old prophet, Choose you whom you shall serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
I think it falls upon men particularly, but unfortunately it must fall upon many women, for there are men who will not assume the God-given responsibilities to lead their family, not just in physical things and putting food on the table and clothes on their back, but in the spiritual welfare of his family. They will not do it. And, men, and women must take up the slack. But you families, I'm asking you, if the word of the Lord comes to the head of your family tonight and says tonight your soul is required, is the family prepared? Will the family have the capabilities of facing that event? I want to ask you to look at your family. Look into your home and say to yourself, my family is or my family is not prepared in the realm of the spirit. There must have been something wrong with Hezekiah's house. He did not say, Hezekiah, I want you to go build a tower because you're going to die. He didn't say, Hezekiah, I want you to go start a church because you're going to die. He didn't say, Hezekiah, I want you to get your business affairs in order because you're going to die. He said, put your house in order. What's your house like? You know, I tremble when I go visiting unannounced. I really do. It scares me to do it. Because I have knocked on doors and wished I had knocked. Because as I knocked, I heard cursing inside from the members of my own church. I heard the wife and husband arguing I heard words coming out of the mouths of children that ought not to be spoken by the hardened criminal in Moundsville. The houses are not in order. And when the wife or the husband comes to the door and answers my knock, we're both so embarrassed we neither one know what to do. You ever had that experience? Sure you have. We both stutter and stammer because I wished I had not heard it and they wished they had not let me hear it. But it reveals the fact that homes in our communities are in disarray. There's cursing instead of blessing. There's fighting instead of loving. There's nagging instead of cooperation. I was waiting outside the home in my car for a little boy to come out of the house for a Bible school one, su one summer. And, and he was late and finally he came out and he was holding his Bible in his hand. We had asked every kid to bring a Bible. And finally he said, we found it, we found it. And he was waving it. I said, what do you mean? He said, mom said we knew we had one somewhere but she just didn't know where it was. Listen, do you know where your Bible is in your home? What's on the coffee table? 
Are the pages torn and dirty from where? Unless you happen to have a new Bible, and I've got a new one, so mine aren't quite that way right now. Does God's Word mean anything in your home? Do you love the Lord? Scripture says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've had many people sit back in the congregation and shake their heads at me. That's not so. That's not so. That's not so. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. And children are going astray in our communities. I would have an extreme difficult time teaching school today, although I used to teach years ago. Because I cannot allow myself to accept the filthiness that's coming out of the mouths of children. The blasphemy of parents. The ridicule of authority. The lack of any interest in attending Sunday school. And how did they get this way? It's because the mothers and dads in that home have failed to bring up their children in the love and admonition of the Lord. That's how. Set thine house in order. What would happen to your family should you die? I read something about Billy Sunday just today. And I hurriedly stuck it in my notes so I wouldn't forget it. I was reading this afternoon. The great preacher, Billy Sunday, who won perhaps thousands of souls to the Lord, not a single child of his was a Christian. They all died lost because he had been working with other people and had neglected his own house. My responsibility is for my home much more than it is for you folk. It took me a long time to learn that. But I learned it. I was nearly faced with some of the problems that Billy Sunday had. I had to learn the hard way that my responsibility first and foremost was to those kids I brought into the world. They must be a family who learns from their dad in the home, not in the church, but in the home. I want to know. I think you need to answer. Is your family learning of God only from the church? Or is there something in your home that draws them to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ? brings us as parents particularly to the point of reassessing our lives and realize that probably we're out of fellowship with the Lord. Now we will not be out of relationship if we love the Lord Jesus Christ but we certainly can be out of fellowship and it brings us to a point that we must repent of the way we've been doing things. Repent of what? I think number one we need to repent of our neglect. We have neglected to teach and train our children what it means to love Jesus Christ. 
We have neglected to teach them to pray. And it's a strange thing in some homes when children hear their parents pray. And it's an awkward thing for the parent, for the child to hear them because the child has never heard the parent do that. Is there prayer in the home? Are we actually up on our faithfulness to God in the home? I think we need to repent of our carelessness and our prayerlessness and consequently our powerlessness. I think in many cases parents have lost spiritual respect of their children. They cannot depend upon mom and dad to have what it takes to lead them in the matters of the spirit. Revelation 2.5 says this to the church at Ephesus. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come upon thee quickly and I will remove the candlestick out of his place except thou repent. I think we need to repent of our worldliness. This world is extremely immoral. The immorality that takes place in this world far exceeds the immorality that we simply see at times in the newspaper or on TV. That's what never comes to light that takes place in the lives of the people who claim to be Christian and are not, who profess to be something that they do not have inside is a tragedy. The scripture says that we cannot serve two masters or else we're going to love the one and hate the other. And yet there are many people who are a part of our churches who are trying to live in two worlds at the same time. It's nice and easy to live in the church on Sunday. But it's another life that oftentimes is lived in the world on Monday and on Saturday night and the period in between. It's time that the church wakes up and realizes that the world recognizes us for our hypocrisy. We must do the first works first. And that means put Jesus Christ first and foremost in our lives and proclaim him as not just master of Sunday, but master of Monday and every other day. Not just master of prayer on Sunday morning, but the master of life in the business place all during the week. That's not what we see. And the world can read us like a newspaper and know that we're a hypocrite in the way that we function as far as our life is concerned and our testimony to Jesus Christ. The language, I've already mentioned that from kids, is atrocious. 
I was working in a service station while trying to get through seminary. That's not a very good place for a preacher to work, I discovered. I don't think I'd go back to doing it again. But the guy who owned the service station was working on an automobile with me, and he banged his knuckles, and he swore like a trooper. Then he realized that I was a preacher, and he turned to me and said, Jim, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And I said to him, don't tell me you're sorry. That wasn't my name you were using. We need to clean up our lives. We need to be exemplary for our kids. We need to have our families that are devoted to Jesus Christ. We'll only do it by example. But I think we need to repent of our pride. The scripture says in Proverbs 16, Pride goeth before destruction. 1 Peter says, 5, 5, 5, that God resisteth the proud and he giveth grace to the humble. Do you know, one of two things I believe keeps people from accepting Jesus Christ. Let me give you those two things that I think are paramount in why people will not accept Jesus Christ. One is that people think they can work their way into heaven. We can be good enough and do enough good things and be moral enough that God's got to accept us. Oh, how fallible that is. We'll not spend time on it. The other thing is we're too proud to admit that we're a sinner. Too proud to admit that we're a sinner. I have seen more people refuse to accept Jesus Christ in church services or elsewhere because they don't want to admit that they're a sinner. <clears throat> I had a lady say to me one time when I was talking to her about her soul's salvation, she said, I don't know as I've done anything so bad I need to be sorry for. And I think that that is exactly right. She believed it with all her heart, that there was nothing in her life so bad that she ought to ask God's forgiveness. But listen, we're all sinners in God's sight because it started in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and partook of the fruit that he had forbidden them to take of and they passed that sin to us. And we are sinners by nature. And if you could be as good as it was possible to be, you could not be good enough to get into heaven for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, says the scripture. But let's turn it to personal things a moment. Are you personally ready for your death? You remember the story back in the Old Testament of Daniel and Belshazzar? The old king Belshazzar had called a great feast of all of the important people of his kingdom. It was a drunken brawl is what it was. They were having, quote, a good time. 
there was a hand, just a hand, started writing on the wall. Mini, mini, techo, you Pharisee. What's that mean? Everybody looked. Belshazzar called his wise men and said, interpret the words. They looked at them. We don't know. We don't know what they are. Someone remembered that there was an old prophet, Daniel, that he had been capable of making some interpretations, and Daniel was brought in. Daniel said, yes, I can interpret it. It says, weighed in the balances and found wanting. Put your life in the balance scale. How are you weighing? Are you wanting? Have you come short? The flood came after Noah had preached so many, many years. And his family had gotten inside and God shut the door and the flood waters began to rise and the people on the outside began to beg for entrance into the ark. But the door was already shut. Their opportunities had already passed. God said to Hezekiah, set your house in order, because you're going to die. And Hezekiah prayed. He prayed earnestly, and the Lord responded to his prayer, gave him life for 15 more years. Listen, the sentence has already been pronounced upon you if you're not a Christian. Your death sentence has already been established. You're going to die, not just a physical death, but an eternal death. But you can pray and God will give you life. Do you want to live? All you got to do is offer those words of prayer that you've heard so many, many times. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive my sins and save my soul. I want to know, how is your soul? If the words were spoken to you tonight, get your house in order, for you shall not live. How's your soul? Will it go to heaven? Go to hell. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in and suck with him and he with me. But you've got to open the door. You've got to open the door. You won't open it. There's no knob on the outside of your heart. Scripture says, if we confess our sins with our mouth, the Lord Jesus shall be, and, and uh, let me start over. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to this world to die for your sins? Then if you will confess him with your mouth, and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. We extend to you the invitation.
this evening. To set your family right, I pray, but also to set your own soul right. If you are a head of a family, and your family has not been doing what it ought to do, it is not godly as it ought to be, I think that you ought to get out of your seat, even though you're a Christian, and come down here and rededicate yourself to the leadership of your family. If you're without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your soul is not ready for that announcement. You ought to get out of your seat, swallow your pride, put it aside, don't let that stand in your way. Admit your sin, confess Jesus as your Savior, and He will save you. He will save you. Will you do it? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.